and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us once again today, right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. And I'd love to invite you to join us on our website at naturalnurse.com, because at naturalnurse.com, we have many of our classes and workshops. For instance, we had a Chinatown Herb Walk, and that we will be having again in the spring. You can look for that on our website. And coming up right now, next in uh, this month, is a fantastic webinar called Sugar Blues, Botanicals for Glycemic Support. And this is actually has three CEU credits for nurses, nurse practitioners, registered dietitians, licensed massage therapists, um, and acupuncturists. But you don't have to have any kind of license to take the class. You would still get a certificate of completion showing that you took the class. And in, in that case, you'll learn all about glucose reg regulation, which involves a diverse array of metabolic pathways that sustain health. And it links into inflammation, healthy weight maintenance, healthy digestion, clear thinking, and circulatory and heart health. So that's how you will learn to beat the sugar blues by regulating glucose balance. And you could learn what tests you should get, such as an A1C, and modify sugar cravings by using specific eating patterns and supportive botanicals. I'll throw out one right now, and that would be cinnamon. But then you have to know how much and what kind. Do you want cassia cinnamon or do you want salon cinnamon? Which one is better um, to look at impaired glucose regulation? So you can actually learn which botanicals can be an effective partner in supporting normal blood sugar levels, both in culinary use and as therapeutic supplements. You can take that class for three CEU credits if you have a license that you need credits for, or you can use it simply you know, to learn more for yourself. So either way, if you go to naturalnurse.com, you can also sign up for our newsletter by only putting in just your email at the bottom of the page at naturalnurse.com front page. You can also get a link to many, in fact, hundreds of our pre-recorded and um, on live radio shows, which are then archived. I think they're called podcasts now. We've been doing this show since the initiation of Progressive Radio Network when Gary Null first started it. So on this show alone, we have hundreds and hundreds of archived shows, which you can also find uh, through prn.fm. And we have all kinds of classes and workshops and individual um, information that we set up individually with people for their own knowledge about what herbs and nutrition they can use for their own health. So feel free to join us. We'd love to hear from you. You can also send a question that you might have. Um, we might do a show about it. Or if you know some exciting guests that you'd love to hear on our show, send us an email through naturalnurse.com. Today, we'd love to bring on our guest, and her name is Trisha Silverman. She is a registered dietitian, one of those people who can get credits by taking our classes, and she's also an MBA. We're going to be talking about her new book, Healthy 
dividends, in investments in nutrition, movement, and healthy habits that pay off. And it certainly does, especially as you know, the years accumulate, and they do. So Trisha has been a fitness and nutrition enthusiast since she was a child, and she is a registered dietitian certified wellness coach and a fitness instructor certified as a personal trainer and group fitness instructor and she is an international amazon best-selling author she has her mba and teaches nutrition entrepreneurship and healthy aging for northeastern university she creates captivating nutrition programs for conferences employee wellness senior centers, businesses, and more. And through her individual coaching practice, she has helped people lose weight, eat better, move more, and get more out of life. Um, Trisha leads nutrition, weight management, and coaching certification courses throughout the United States and is the author of the international bestseller, Healthy Dividends, Investments in Nutrition, Movement, and Healthy Habits that Pay Off. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tricia. It's a delight to be here. Thank you for having me, Ellen. Now, let's go back in time because, you know, we have a long time so we can really go into your topic. It's not like a, you know, just a one little sound bite. And I'm so happy about that to learn more about you and what led you to what you probably have experienced as healthy dividends in your life. So going back in time, what moved you in this direction? Well, what moved me, I actually grew up in New York. I live in the Needham area now, which is in a, a town outside of Boston. And when I lived in New York, my dad owned a deli in Shirley, New York, and we enjoyed all of the deli food a little bit too much. And I was an overweight kid and I couldn't understand why, because we ate healthy during the week, Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends, we would often go with my dad to close the deli at night and we would get a lot of food. We called it food for the pig out. And it was like Entenmann cakes and Hershey ice cream and Otis Spunkmeyer cookies and Entenmann's cookies and you name it. And we would gather that and then go home and eat that food really late. And it was fun, but I didn't realize it, that that was what was keeping me being an overweight kid all this weekend eating. We'd wake up the next day and my dad would bring home fresh bagels and rolls and scones and cookies and pastry. And it was just too much. And then during the week, we'd eat really healthy. So I didn't really, I couldn't understand exactly what was going on. And around high school, I started to notice a difference with moving more and, and, and changing my eating, how that could have an effect. And then I decided to go to college so that I could learn more and then help other people with their nutrition. And I just, I love to hear when people make small changes, it gets me so happy because I know that small changes can bring on huge results in the long term. Really, it's true, but you're not saying that you had any particular issue at first. You kind of just learned your way into health. I learned my way and I made a lot of mistakes along the way. One of the one of the mistakes was the whole fat-free craze. And I thought that, and now that's back in the 80s, that if I ate fat-free, I could eat everything and I can eat a lot. 
and I learned the beauty of exercise back then, but I was, it was hard to kind of create a balance and that's where the college helped me out a bit. But I also noticed when I went to work at the deli, I was told by a lot of people, when you go, you're going to gain weight when you work at the deli. And I really didn't want to do that. So I decided I would walk home every day after work. And that showed me a bit about balance, that if you exercise, you can balance out some of what you eat. But I learned through life and through, you know, through the years, I've been a dietitian over 20 years now, that exercise can't, you can't exercise away all of your food sins. So it's good to have a healthy balance and to, to eat healthfully and to move and to make most of what you eat really healthy. And that, so the mistakes really were growth opportunities for me. And I've made a lot of them over, over the years, but I've learned a lot. And I love to share my mistakes to save other people time. And one of the biggest mistakes I do see is that people will go on strict diets Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends, they will drink and go out to eat and they'll just get, you know, bread and an appetizer and a meal and have some drinks. And then they, you know, can't figure out why they can't lose weight. And we just need a little more consistency throughout the week to help people to achieve their nutrition and their and their weight loss goals. Yes, that's <laughs> such good information. And also, um, you bringing in the topic of exercise is really, really big. Um, because so many people think also it's just food and really, you know, I would say exercise really creates uh, even a bigger change very often. And sometimes what I find is once you begin to exercise, you're, you're sort of more often brought to make healthy choices for food. That is so true. And there's research behind that. When you look at the executive functioning of the of your brain, exercise enhances your brain. And exercise actually builds brain volume. So exercise is really it's it's brain food, basically. And when you do eat better, when you do move, you tend to make those better choices. So it really goes hand hand in hand. And exercise enhances mood and enhances creativity. And many of the people that I work with as a coach, I find that they sit throughout the whole day and they feel guilty to take a break and to go, you know, to move during lunch. And we really need to change that perspective throughout our country and make people kind of own those breaks that they get at their jobs during the day to, to move. And when you move, you actually become more productive when you get back to work because now your mood increases and your productivity does increase and even creativity increases. So sometimes you're stewing about a problem, but if you take a walk, you can come up with creative solutions to that problem. So that's one of the things I help to strategize when I work with people is to think about how can you engineer some more movement back into, into your day, because it will help you make those better choices and feel better overall. And it makes the nutrition piece a lot easier. You know, that is so true. And we used to do that in the old days when I actually went to an office every day, <laughs> which I think for many people isn't what has been happening the last couple of years. Um, but I actually organized a walking club. So for that hour of lunch, a whole group of us just 
drove very close by to a park area and we walked for the, you know, 45 minutes and then ate lunch for 15 minutes back uh, in our cars or when it was, you know, cool out back in the building. That is fantastic. And not only are you moving, but the, the social connections, the connections that you're building by talking to other people is really important and just so good for you. Social connections are, are a part of longevity. So just by doing that, you're, you're moving and you're talking to people and getting your feelings out, talking through problems. It's really a great way to do things. So that's really wonderful to have the walking clubs. And I think if more people hear about that, it would be wonderful if those clubs could just happen all over the country. And, and again, people own those breaks, own that time. It's your time and you'll bring back more to your workplace when you have that time for yourself. So that's right. And otherwise you might just work through, you're not getting paid for that extra hour. Right. No, and, so and, and work is never done when when you never. have a to do list. What I do, I actually do write down my to do list. I actually do as an extremely busy and productive person, which I am, as many of our listeners are. I write down my list. Um, I write a weekly list and I write a daily list first thing in the morning. And one of the reasons I do that is so I can cross off things, because at the end of the day, you often feel like I didn't do anything because not everything is done. And I look, no, I did some, I didn't do everything. You will never do everything. Right. And, and that it's, it's so wonderful to hear how you do your list. I truly and strongly believe in a to-do list and similar to what you do, I believe in a, an accomplishment journal as well, because just like what you said, we often think, oh, I didn't, I didn't do much. But then when you look at what you did do, so if you journal on what you did the day before or that day, you'll realize, wow, I really actually did do a lot today. And crossing off that list makes you feel successful. And that can really enhance other areas where you're trying to achieve your goals. So when you achieve small goals, it makes you feel more empowered to then go after those larger goals. That's true. And so those are all tricks. You know, people can use tricks for themselves. One, like you said, you have to be educated because when you talk about something like low fat and fat free, you know, there could be, let's say, low fat, eat a zucchini. Okay, that's low fat. But anything that has a label on it that says either low fat or fat free, usually when you read your ingredients, which I actually think everyone should read every ingredient yeah. in my refrigerator, there are none. Because I do what's called paragraph free eating, which means there's nothing with a paragraph on it. It's just for pieces of food, you know, like even if it's a chicken, it's just chicken. It's not, you know, chicken something with a long paragraph on it and lots of vegetables that just are a piece of vegetable or an avocado, no paragraphs. But if you're eating things from boxes, packages, and that have paragraphs on them, Reading them is paramount, even if you have to get a magnifying glass, because you will see in something that's fat free, try this at the grocery store or low fat with that label. It usually has a huge paragraph on it and is very high in sugar. That is really true. You'll you'll find with a lot of the fat free 
items that they add sugar or you'll see starches added in and then a whole list of ingredients that really aren't that great. So you do want to read it before you eat it. One of the culprits that I see with the real junky list of ingredients that many people don't realize, coffee creamer. Coffee creamer can, um, I, when you look at it, I see it as a witch's brew of junky ingredients. And people don't realize that. They think that they're doing well. And you can just be putting a lot of artificial ingredients in your body. And we really want to move away from that. And I love what you said about the paragraph-free eating. You do want to read things before you eat them. It's really key. And what I like to tell people is to keep it to one or two ingredients when you shop for food. If it's more than that, you really want to know what's in there. And if there's an ingredient that you don't understand, then you want to look it up and figure out what really is that. Even some of the vitamins that are added into our food, when you really dig deep, they may be genetically modified. So you never truly know what you're what you're getting. And if we can get our nutrients from food and have a food first philosophy before we, you know, eat foods that have been enhanced um, or they say enriched, and we, we want to be careful with those ingredients that come with that because if we chose a whole grain for example rather than an enriched grain we'd be getting a lot of nutrients in their natural state and that's what really does the body best to get foods in their most natural state my grandfather had a saying you want to eat what grows from the ground what falls from the tree and what swims in the sea and it, it really is just getting back to more natural foods. If your grandparents couldn't buy any of those ingredients that you see and put them on their shelves, then to me, that's a message, don't eat that. So when I grew up in New York, there was um, a, a great cheese company that, that I love and their regatta or ricotta cheese, I'm Italian, so you can- <laughs> You can say, my husband's Italian, I can see yeah. you saying it correctly, right? right. So we, and some people will say, I'm saying it incorrectly. My husband says ricotta and I say regatta, but that cheese was very simple in ingredients. And now, when, you know, occasionally we'll buy that and I'm just shocked by how many ingredients now have been added to something that should just have very few ingredients and you don't need these you know xanthan gum and these other gums and carrageenan these things you know haven't really been used for many years they haven't been tested for use on a life of someone's lifetime either so i think it's um we don't need those items and the the cheese tasted great back in 1975 so why do we need to change that let's keep it the way that the way that it was without these strange gums and additives being added in. So if you can go real simple in your ingredient list, it's one of the best things that you can do for your body. I really totally agree with that, Trisha, because it's an easy thing to do. I'll give you an example. A lot of my clients, I suggest that they cut down on wheat or truthfully completely eliminate wheat for one month because mm -hmm. it sometimes that takes care of so many inflammatory responses that like that's the end of their health issue and if not there's no negative side effect to try that so how do we do that we have to read our labels and then it's good to have something around to replace that crunchiness if you need it and i often suggest something like organic rice cakes when you read a lot of the better brands of organic rice cakes it says on the side organic brown rice nothing else nothing no else. 
paragraph, or some of them will say organic brown rice, comma, salt, period. Right. And I so, have, a, we're probably talking about the same, I'm thinking in my head, Lundberg Farms are one of the brands that I will often buy that's organic. And like you said, it's really very, very simple. Just look for that really simple, that simple list. And that's great that you mentioned the, the crunch, because sometimes people do need a crunch or certain textures to replace some of the other food that they're taking out of their diet. So what I recommend for, for also for crunch, um, dried chickpeas um, can be really yummy. And again, check your ingredient list, look for the shortest list, and then dried, dry roasted edamame. And that to me, if I have a, a craving for pretzels, if I have the dry roasted edamame, it really will nip that craving in the bud. And I get I get the crunch, I get a little bit of, you know, there's a little bit of salt added. So I get that saltiness that I might be seeking. And then with the dry roasted edamame, you also get protein there, much more protein than you would with eating pretzels. So it's really a win-win. So we're gonna take okay. a little break right here, Trisha. And when we come back, we will continue. We are talking today with Trisha Silverman. You could find her at trishasilverman.com. We're talking about her beautiful book called Healthy Dividends Investments in nutrition, movement, and healthy habits that pay off. Um, we'll be right back with more right after our break here on Progressive Radio Network. On this edition of the Natural Medicine Chest, we'll take a look at the soybean, its phytochemistry, and its role as a food and medicine. It is exciting to see a resurgence in research by universities and food scientists on the role that foods play in disease prevention. Many of these institutions, such as the United Soybean Board, the American Soybean Farmers Association, and the National Cancer Institute, are busy developing designer foods, or superfoods, concentrating the essential nutrients and phytochemicals in soybeans and other foods that have potent medicinal effects. Commonly known foods which have soy in them include soy milk, a cheese-like substance called tofu, tempeh, a fermented soy protein, and tamari, a fermented soy sauce. The soybean is a rich source of many nutrients, including selenium, zinc, beta-carotene, vitamins A, C, and E, and 20 of the 22 amino acids. Soy also contains essential fatty acids. Research on soy foods is vast and well-known to health enthusiasts, although the general public and physicians in the United States may not be aware of this plethora of research. In Japan and China, however, this is not the case, as a voluminous number of scientific studies have been carried out in animals and humans. Chinese studies reveal that soy products can increase the ability, rate of activity, and number of white blood cells. Patients receiving chemotherapy and radiation can benefit from drinking soy milk, which in several studies demonstrated a protective effect on the liver and gastrointestinal system. It is interesting to note that the British journal Lancet revealed that vegetarians and Asians who ingest high amounts of soy have the lowest rates of cancer. This is due to one of soy's constituents called genistein. This chemical is a phytoestrogen, or plant estrogen, which can decrease and block the uptake of human estrogen and testosterone, as well as enhance its excretion. Like the drug tamoxifen, it competes with estrogen for uptake in the reproductive tissues. 
By doing so, hormone-dependent cancers like ovarian breast and prostate cancers may be prevented. In conditions where there is a deficiency of hormones, such as osteoporosis and menopause, soy isoflavones, such as genistine, can weakly mimic estrogen and reduce the severity of these problems. So, listeners, don't count out the versatile soybean. Make it a delicious and nutritious part of your natural medicine chest. And welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us again right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. And today we are here with nutritionist Trisha Silverman. We're talking about her book, Healthy Dividends, Investments in Nutrition, Movement, and Healthy Habits that Pay Off. Trisha, I love the um, name of your book. because. What you're saying about those investments, those are investments people are making into themselves. Exactly. Exactly. I, I came up with that name because at my seminars, I would often say at the end, I, you invested the time here today. I want you to get dividends on that investment. So what can you do as a result of being here? Just like as a result of listening today, what takeaways can people put into practice? So that name came about um, kind of organically over the years because I would say it a lot. And it really, it, it is an investment in you when you eat well and when you move because the the dividends will be living longer. And it's different for everyone. It may be lowering your cholesterol or lowering your blood sugar. Everyone has a, you know, a different goal, lowering your, your, your weight. And the book has a lot of nuggets in there to help people toward their, their wellness goals. And again, those dividends are, are, are numerous. But what I see working with people, I, the first thing I see, oh, like almost every person that I work with, I feel better. I feel better when they change and start eating better. So that feeling better then ends up opening up other things that you that you can do. Once you start feeling better in general, then you can start working on the other areas of your of your wellness. So that the, the title is really meaningful to me and and I it's something that I think the book can really help a lot of of people with whatever their health goals may be. And you, even as a business person and a registered dietitian, have been so active your whole life. You were recognized as the Dietitian of the Year by the Massachusetts Dietetic Association. And also, I know you've deeply looked into, besides the physical rewards of eating healthy and exercise, you've also looked into how we can help mental issues yes. because I noticed you've been published in bipolar magazine and schizophrenia digest is yes. it true that these kinds of mental health issues which some are severe when you're talking about schizophrenia right. exactly. could also be helped well some of the symptoms can be helped the omega-3 fats seem to have a really wonderful effect on your brain they're an essential fat that many people aren't getting enough of so my first question for people when we're talking about eating for your brain is, are you eating fish? Fish has the most absorbable source of omega-3 fat. And if they're not, then we talk about, well, how much? In general, people should aim for eight ounces of, of fish over the course of 
the week. It's a little more for people that are the, at the higher end of calories or, you know, depending on how much they weigh, but that's a good general recommendation for most adults is around eight ounces. So what if they're not eating fish? So first of all, if they are. So are wait, wait, I want to introduce, I do want to introduce, I do want to interrupt you there one minute. When you're saying fish, Trisha, I know that many fish have different amounts of, right. of these healthy fats. So one that I think is really good, and I'd love your opinion, are sardines, because they're very tiny. They're high in essential fatty acids, and they're also low on the food chain, so they're low in mercury, where something yeah. like tuna is loaded with heavy metals. So there's a balancing act there. There is totally a balancing act there, and some of the better fish, um, anchovies, sardines, salmon, um, and, and then there's, there's other ones like mackerel, but not king mackerel, um, because again, the, the king mackerel has a lot of, um, mercury. So, um, if you can get some of these fish that you're mentioning, that we're mentioning, it's really important to, you know, aim for that eight ounces with tuna, the albacore has more than the, than the light. So if you can buy light tuna, it's going to be a little less in omega-3s, um, but it'll be a lot less in, in the mercury. So be wait, careful. wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't, I never heard that before. So now yeah. I need, you know, I'm always learning. I've only been doing sure. this since 1964, but I learn new things every day. Why would the light tuna be lower in mercury? It's uh, the yellowfin and the skipjack are just a different type of tuna and they they don't measure up as much as the albacore so albacore does have very high levels of wow that's interesting so are you talking about the, the like chunk light or um, whatever chunk they call light it? which is uh, yellowfin or skipjack oh so, i never knew that that is yeah. actually a different species of fish but the albacore is the highest priced one yeah i know it's kind of interesting so the cheaper one is better for you some people don't like the chunk light it's like pinker in color i i buy it i'm i'm fine with it i find with tuna it's really what you put in it what spices that you spice it up with i use like cajun seasoning when i make a when i make tuna and it just tastes really good to me and i don't taste that difference between the albacore and 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 the light so it's really what you dress up your tuna with but the light will be less in mercury than the than the albacore. And then salmon is like a real heavy hitter. And that's why we see it now on so many menus. It's um it's it's great for omega-3s. If you can go wild, go wild if you can. Wild is really expensive right now. If you go farmed, some places like Whole Foods will have more responsibly farmed salmon. And even in conventional in your own supermarket, it still will have omega-3s, but the, the wild will, will be better. Some people don't really like the taste of wild too much. Um, the wild, one way to get wild and watch your budget is to get wild in the can or in the pouch. And there are popular brands that that have that available. So that's, you know, sometimes what I do for fish, if, um, if we're busy, you know, I'll just, I have it in the pouch or the can and I'll have that. I prefer fresh, but we all have busy lifestyles. So we want to, we want to honor that in, in people, but yeah. So with the fish is the most absorbable type of omega-3 fat. 
if you aren't eating fish, then we want to make sure that we're getting some of the vegetarian sources of omega-3 fat, like chia seed and hemp seed and flax seed, organic canola oil um, also has omega-3s and soy foods have omega-3s and then walnuts and pumpkin seeds. And I was looking recently and I saw that pecans have some as well. And other foods have little bits of them, but the, the ones that I mentioned that the flax is, you know, super high, they don't get absorbed as well as the fish. So if you eat a junky diet, like Twinkies and, and cookies and chips, and then you think you can sprinkle flax on the chips, you, you know, you really won't get that beneficial effect. It's really when we have a great diet and then we sprinkle that in that what the other foods that we eat with it will help us to absorb those nutrients. So we want a really good baseline diet. But the omega threes are are super important for your for your brain health. So fish is one of the one of the number one things. The other thing that you can do for for robust brain health is to decrease the sugar in your diet. Um, sugar is associated with decreased brain volume, particularly in uh, a structure that's associated with memory. So so true. I want to jump in here and share with you that um, one of our guests actually was also an RD, which I very much honor that degree. That means you truly are um, learn nutrition. And of course, you know, even holistic nutrition, which you probably weren't taught in school, but right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it shows that somebody actually has been taught the real basics further than just saying, oh, I'm a nutrition coach, you know, like you are very educated. Um, so for those of us who are herbalists, first of all, one plant that grows outside almost everywhere, um, including Shirley, Long Island, and including all of Long Island, and including most of the United States, but not down in Florida, where I live a good part of the year, is something called purslane. Yeah. That's P-U-R-S-L-A-N-E. And I really recommend people go out with an herbalist and learn to identify it. There is no poisonous lookalike. And if you can just um, buy it in a farm stand or just learn to go pick it yourself, it's very high in omega-3s. It's one of the highest in the vegetable family. I found it at Whole Foods um, occasionally. And in the regular supermarket, I haven't seen it, but it would be great to find it outside. It, let's um, put it this way. It's yeah. out, anywhere anyone is, it is outside. Wow. It's, it's one of those extremely invasive plants that grows all over most of the country, pops up literally out of the sidewalk. You might not want to pick that one, especially <laughs> if it's right near a road, but you right. can learn to identify it there. Oh, and, wow. you know, I give herb walks and outside identification walks all the time. One of the places as we do it every year is at Beth Page, um, where there's a beautiful farm. It's called Re Beth Page Restoration Farm. And anyone can look it up on Facebook, online, and myself and my co-host here, Dr. Eugene Samperone. Every year we spend a whole day there where we mm -hmm. gather wild edible plants, take them in and make them into herbal medicine. And it's wow. part of our natural nurse herbal certification course where people become an RH, which is a registered herbalist. But be that as it may, one day when we first started doing that at that farm, which might be maybe, you know, about 17 years ago or so. Mm -hmm. So we went out in the farm and the owner of the farm, since this was a new class there, um, came with us. 
and we went through the field and we said, oh, there's purslane growing in one of her fields. She said, what? That's purslane? Mm. I pay people to pull that out and throw wow. it out. And I said, oh, no, you should sell that. And sure enough, from that time in, you know, they still do. It can be invasive. So you do have mm -hmm. to pick it out so it doesn't cover all the vegetables you're trying to grow. But now she made it into a cash crop. Wow. So what a win-win situation is that story? That is, it's a great story. And I want to go on that walk. I can't, I'll have to schedule that in when I visit my parents out in New York. Oh it's yeah, that's really, right. It's very yeah. close to Shirley. It's about like, you know, a 20 minute drive from Shirley. Yeah, maybe half an hour. So it's a beauty. You should visit that farm regardless because oh, wow. it is like beyond organic. It's like a biodynamic farm. It oh, has the dream. best best food of almost anywhere I've ever seen, super conscious. And it's connected to the old Bethpage Restoration Village, which is a restoration of life here on Long Island in you know old days. But then they yeah. have this additional 10 acres that is actually taken over by these extremely conscious biodynamic family who grows vegetables on it. So it's a wonderful scene just walking around there is a pleasure. Wow. Oh, so, yeah. I can't wait to go there. Thank <laughs> yes. you for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll have it again. We've we've completed that for this year. But, you know, come the spring, I'll be going there just to give one hour walks, identification, and then that one big workshop we do once a year. So we'd love oh, if you joined us. Yeah, that's exciting. So thank you so much for all this information. And now, how does someone start on their journey? Because you know, we don't want it to, if you rather just sit there, eat a lot of junk food and feel terrible, I would say that's okay. That's your choice. But what's exciting is that when you look at the, the um, especially Trisha's book, Healthy Dividends, which is so cute because it has an apple and with money on it, because you also are involved in what does this mean anyway, like entrepreneurship, nutrition entrepreneurship for Northeastern University. I never heard that word. Oh, okay. So nutrition entrepreneurship is a course that helps students to start nutrition or wellness businesses. And entrepreneurship um, amongst nutritionists is um, now it's really exploded. You have a lot of so many people starting businesses. And when I went to school, we didn't have a course like that. So you would come out of school with your dietetics degree and you most people would go work at hospitals or we were told we had we have to work at a hospital for a few years be before owning a business. And that's really not true. Anyone can start a business or a side business. And that course walks people through starting a business. And it, it and you know, when you talk about starting something new, if it's a business, a business plan is really helpful. And you don't have to get a college degree to, to do that. You can take out a book or look it up on the Small Business Association, their business plans, and it can help you really plan out how your business will make money, how you'll market your services. And and you know, one of the key things is are you know are you an entrepreneur? And we all don't have to be entrepreneurs. So you don't have to feel bad if, if you're not one. Um, but for those that want to explore 
whether or not they want to be an entrepreneur, that particular course is really helpful. And for anyone, again, you don't have to take a course. You can read books about entrepreneurism and it, to learn if it's something really for, for you. Some people need a boss and other people can be their own boss. And that's and it's good to figure out, you know, what works for you. And we can all change, too. Um, so in terms of starting a business, I think it's good to just start, start reading a book, start following other entrepreneurs, take a course if you, you know, if you have to, if you need that accountability to get through material. And of course, but, but one thing that certainly happens with that, with, you know, COVID and everyone switching and not having their jobs anymore and being home and having time to, let's say they always did want to be, let's put it as a health coach. Mm -hmm. And they take like a weekend or a couple weeks and they're suddenly a health coach and they're calling themselves a nutritionist and starting an online business. And I think that's actually not great. That's not the same as someone like you who's, you know, has the correct degrees and has written a book called Healthy Dividends. You know, so I, I think that has been overplayed a little bit and can be dangerous because the public cannot necessarily differentiate. Right. And that is very hard for the public to differentiate. So dietitians have gone through at least four years of school and they're actually changing it now that they have to have a master's degree when when they start now in 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 nutrition but they have to right now have at least a bachelor's degree in nutrition or dietetics and then they have to have clinical experience so i spent a year at brigham and women's hospital doing my clinical internship and it's really important that clinical experience so that you understand lab values so that you see different disease states and, and understand what people have to do to treat those disease states nutritionally and what you can do to prevent them. For me, that year was a huge eye opener because I saw people on dialysis. I saw people losing limbs um, from diabetes. So I felt it's too late to tell them don't drink soda now when their fingers are turning to, you know, the, their, their diet, basically getting their, uh, turning necrotic. So their, their skin was dying. I felt like I want to get people way before that happens to tell them don't drink soda, you know, years before that even happens to prevent it. So that year, um, was very important learning experienced, you know, clinically, and then it had that impact on me, you know, why prevention is so important. So dietitians, we have to take it, we have to do get that clinical experience, then we have to take a test. And then there are very rigorous standards for staying up to date so that you have to get CEs to stay a registered dietitian. So it, I think that if people looking to start out, a dietitian is really a good place to go. And you know, there are people that get weekend degrees and they mean well. I know a lot of those people in my travels across the country that that want to help people. And what what I say to them is that, you know, one of the things that's really important for anyone giving nutrition advice in our country is to read the dietary guidelines. Not that you're going to agree with every little bit, but it's evidence-based and the new ones just came out last uh, in December, 2020. 
and they go from 2020 to 2025. Every five years, they get released. And it gives you a great baseline of information that you can share that is evidence-based. You can feel comfortable sharing that. So that's where I feel that people can educate themselves on the basics if they're going to call themselves a, a coach or use the word nutrition in, in what they do. I recommend that people do see um, dietitians, but for anyone that you know wants to call, you know, is calling themselves a coach and and teaching people about nutrition should read that because that is really the basics of what you actually can share. Um, without being a dietitian, so it, you you can share share that and feel like you're within scope of whatever you're doing when you read those. But there's so much more than the dietary guidelines. So being a dietitian, it, going to school, you dig deeper. But you mentioned also much deeper, and you become much more respectful about the fact that you can cause harm as well as help. And so that's why myself, I am really against that that movement towards health coach being something that's granted after a weekend course. And I really recommend that people do not utilize that kind of information and then claim that, the, that they are knowledgeable in nutrition. I really do not like that. I don't because I think it's a rip up to the consumer versus working with someone like yourself. Um, you know, and, and we are talking today with Tricia Silverman. And we're going to take a little break right here, Tricia. She is the um, author of Healthy Dividends, a wonderful book, Investments in Nutrition, Movement, and Healthy Habits That Pay Off. When we come back, Tricia, we definitely want to delve into exercise because that's Great. such a big part of what you teach and such a big part of health and wellness. We will be right back with more right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. And welcome back to more right here on Natural Alternatives and uh, the Natural Nurse and Dr. Z with myself, Ellen Kamai, the Natural Nurse, and Dr. Eugene Samperone. We are the hosts, and we also are co-owners of our business, which is Natural Alternatives, Health, Education, and Multimedia Services right here on the Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. You can find out more. Best place to go is naturalnurse.com, and then you could look at all the tags. There's so much free information. There's hundreds of articles. Um, maybe thousands of podcasts because we've been doing radio shows. It used to be called radio shows. Now the new word, I don't even know the difference between those two things, but in any way, in any event, like Progressive Radio Network, where we have this show, there's an actual studio in New York City where the engineers are engineering this. So it's not just like, you know, in somebody's phone. And there's a lot of work that goes into it. And then it is fed out both live and then also archived. So if you hear something that you like um, right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z or any of the other shows, you can tell your friends and they can get it any time. And we have lots of people who uh, I think it's called prescribed to. I don't know what it is. They hook in so they get it every week. Today, we have our wonderful guest, Trisha Silverman. She is the um, author of Healthy Dividends, Investments in Nutrition, Movement, and Healthy Habits that Pay Off. She does bring in that dividend concept, which means, yeah, you can actually make money doing these kinds of things, but also you can just 
feel fantastic. And that helps you in every avenue of your life, including um, your income gathering capacity. Would you say that's what you had in mind? Trisha? Going to live longer and, and feel better. But yes, there is that entrepreneur, entrepreneurship side, you know, as, as well. And I do plan on writing at some point in entrepreneurship with something like nutrition or for you like nursing, you really can help a lot to me, entrepreneurship and investing in your health. So let's go into exercise because that, that's a big part. But your second thing I is move. have sedentary people that start to work with me. What I often will do is just ask them to do five minutes of, of they have I mean, if you tell them you have have to go to the gym for an hour a day and first of all getting to and from the gym is another hour and they don't have the time that's their excuse right and i probably wouldn't hear from them again so i've have found that this works really willing to do more but it's really what they're willing to do and the five minutes can make a huge difference because they get that muscle memory of like putting those sneak on and getting out there and often they'll do more than the five but sometimes they'll just do the five and that's fine because they feel successful from that and then they can go on and do more the next time so starting anywhere i call it breaking the ice on your exercise is really key just a few minutes doing it can make a huge difference even if you only have seven minutes a day that's been promoted by dr oz over the last few years a seven minute workout a seven-minute workout is better than no workout. And we used to tell people you have to work out in 10-minute increments. But the new physical fitness guidelines that came out over the last few years did away with that. And now any movement is better than no movement. So we want to figure out what will work best for us. Walking is so easy for, for many of us to just use that as our way to get in our fitness. But for other people, maybe you haven't found your fitness passion yet. That could be belly dancing. It could be swinging kettlebells. You don't know for many people. So how do we figure out? Take a video out of the library, watch a class online and just start, You know, make that difference. And again, even if it's only a few minutes, doing that will really you know get you into that into that motion so that then you can build on it you'll feel successful after achieving that small five minute or seven minute goal one of my favorites to recommend and to do i'd love to know your feeling about it trisha is jumping on a little mini trampoline which is sometimes oh. called a rebounder but they're very inexpensive now i mean so, you know thirty dollars those, yeah. those can be a lot of fun Yes. And what I do is I have mine in front of my television. And I also tell people too, because it's not weather related. There's no electricity. You can roll it up if you live in a studio apartment where it just sits up by the wall, takes up no space and really use it just during one commercial. That is so true. I talk about multitasking your exercise in my book. And what you said there is exactly doing that. So while you watch TV, you can lift weights, you can do yoga, you can do other body weight exercises, you can walk, you can be on a bike. Before our program today, I was on the treadmill and I was working on a CE program that I have to listen to. And so I'm multitasking exercise constantly. You can dance while you do dishes, or if you don't like dancing, you can march while you do dishes. So you can really incorporate movement into a lot of what you're already doing. So for people that 
say, I don't have enough time. Well, you can build that, that fitness into the things that you're already doing. And with the, the, what you get from exercising to me is so exciting. And we know, especially regular exercise and incorporating a healthy diet are important. But what we know about exercise is there's so much new research on how it really helps the DNA structure of the cells to stay intact and not age. It's really, if it was a drug, it would be called a wonder drug exercise. I know. It's so, it's so true. It really is a wonder drug along with good nutrition. And many people are searching for a pill to solve their nutrition problems and, you know, or the health problems and the fitness and the nutrition can take you so far. And I've just seen it over and over and over again over the last 20 plus years. And it's exciting to see. And it's really fun when when people do start making the changes and they 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 feel better and they're moving more and then they're achieving other goals in their life and it it can just start with you know one call with you know finding an a, accountability partner like a dietitian and you know or taking a class taking the walk with you all these things can really spark you to feel better and start taking better care of yourselves but I love how you talk about in healthy dividends, investments in nutrition, movement, and healthy habits that pay off, that you don't have to do all of it. You take one slice, like what you're talking about now, particularly exercise, because I find once people even do that five minutes, they'll usually do it longer. And exactly. also that changes how much you want to eat, especially of junk food, because it brings down that blood sugar. And it also elevates mood very quickly. Very quickly. It really is a wonder drug. You feel amazing. And especially when you find that fitness activity that you like to do. For me, a huge mood lifter for me is lifting heavier weights. And for someone else, it may be Zumba. But when you find what works best for you, it, it truly is your own personal wonder drug when you figure out what gives you, you know, the most boost. And it's different for everyone. It may be running. Everyone's a little different. And it does become somewhat addictive, I would say, in a good way. I mean, I can't, way. I cannot get through a day without exercising because I'll feel sad, really. I mean, there's an endorphin release addiction that happens, which is great in my mind, because that then helps you continue. Right. It, it, I think it's a, you know, a good thing as well. And it's very different from a sugar addiction where you're, you know, bring, being brought back to eating more and more sugar. And it has a lot of deleterious effects, whereas the exercise has, you know, many beneficial effects. And I'll just say my mom, who's 93 and has used absolutely zero pharmaceuticals ever, wow. um, she has a severe addiction, and we have to end soon, I'm just letting you know, to swimming. And that has worked phenomenally well for her. I don't think there's hardly been a day in her entire life since she's like three that she hasn't swam. And she oh. created our life around swimming. Like we always had to know when the high tide was because she <laughs> swims outside in the bay. So anyway, um, thank oh. you so much for being a wonderful guest on our show today, Tricia. Just shout out the best place for people to find you. Sure. TrishaSilverman.com, T-R-I-C-I-A-S-I-L-V-E-R-M-A-N.com. Hope to see you there. 
and we'll have a live link to that on our archives. And thank you listeners so much for listening to us again right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. Until next time, on behalf of myself and my co-host, Dr. Eugene Zamperone, we hope that you stay healthy.